MGM National Harbor Potomac Poker Open Tournament Series is in full swing. I am mentally and physically exhausted from playing cash games and tournaments, running back and forth from the poker room to the ballroom that's kind of on the other side of the casino. Ooh, I'm exhausted. Um, But if you want to know how I did this past week, stay tuned. Welcome to All In Society. I am your host, Claude Winston. Join me as we dive into the thrilling world of poker, expand our financial intelligence, and unlock secrets to a healthier lifestyle. Check out our website, YouTube page, and social handles. Links available in the episode description. It's for allinsociety.com. YouTube.com forward slash at all underscore n underscore society. Our all in CP2 Instagram page. And if you want to follow me on threads, the link is available there as well. New episodes of All in Society will drop Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Monday and Wednesday episodes will drop at 8 p.m. Eastern. And on Friday, we release them a little bit earlier, three hours earlier. In fact, 5 p.m. Eastern. Are you planning a trip soon? Check out Travel Pro for high-quality luggage and gear. Use code in episode description. You will not be disappointed. Today, we're going to dive in my poker recap from last week, discuss the recent fall in Bitcoin price, and uncover secrets from performance coach Greg Harden. So diving right in, let's discuss the my poker week recap from 814 through 820. So last Monday through Sunday, which was yesterday. Oh man. I played a lot, a lot of poker, a lot of cash, a lot of tournaments. Now on the tournament side of things, I did not do well at all. Now you do remember I did well last uh last week. And the six max event took second place for a $9,000 score. Um, I finished second place in the same tournament earlier this year and uh, had a score about $7,000. So I went back to back final tables, back to back second places last week. But this week in the $400, 600K guaranteed, $600,000 guaranteed in the prize pool. It was a no limit hold'em mystery bounty event. Now, that event, I didn't really do my research. I mean, I did, but I didn't pay attention to this. So there was an add-on as well. So I was already kind of weary of playing any tournament that was under $1,000 at MGM's series because they're they're raking way too much. And, and this for multiple reasons, and I don't really... I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that they're not able to run the the tournament in the poker room. They don't have the staff to run the tournament in the poker room and they don't have the space to run the tournament in the poker room. So they have a lot of additional fees. um, As far as I know from working with Adam, Um, MGM was my previous employer. So I don't want to, you know, share too much information, but I know there's a cost for running the tournament series outside of the poker room. And that isn't a secret. So I think that they're kind of passing along that those fees to the players, which I don't necessarily agree with. So I, I just did a comparison for the amount of money that they're raking at Maryland Live, essentially for the same tournament, $400 buy-in. I think it's like 17%, but here they're raking 20%. So it's a, you think of it as an insignificant amount, but when there's 600000 half a million dollars in the prize pool, and that's 3% more than another tournament, that's a significant amount that's being taken out of the tournament. 
a significant amount. And a lot of that money goes to first and second place. So if you're somebody who thinks that you can run deep into a tournament um, and it's a thousand dollars or less, uh, it's just something to consider. There's money that's out of the prize pool. But I, let's go back into how I did. Uh, so I played the the $400, 600K guaranteed three times. I put in one bullet in three flights. The first bullet I did the best. And uh, I played very well up into this hand where I had 50 big blinds. I had 200,000 at 20,000, excuse me, at 2,000, 4,000. So I had uh, 200,000 at the time, 50 big blinds. And I was in the small blind, I'm pretty sure. And I looked down at jack six off. Now, is this a hand that I play? No. But I have 50 big blinds and I have, I'm pretty sure I would have been the fifth limper to enter the pot. The big blind is potentially he could could rip it. I mean, if I was him and I was a shorty and I had anything playable, I probably would have ripped it. But even if he did rip it, it's not costing me a lot. And now if I flop something like crazy, um, I could really get paid off if someone has a hand like queen jack, king jack, ace jack, and I flop two pair. And that's kind of what happens, but not exactly what I was looking for. So, though, like I said, we went five or six ways. I was small blind, so I was first to act. And the flop came out jack, six, deuce, two spades on the board. And I got a little bit too excited. Um, so I think there was about 24,000 in the pot. So it was already a significant amount in the pot already. And so I decided to lead out. I know I let out 75% or more of the pot. Um, probably closer to like 80, 85% of the pot. Trying to take it down right then and there. I got two callers, um, which had me a little weary. I thought maybe one someone, like I said, has a, a queen jack, king jack, unsuited, um, that they didn't feel comfortable with opening, but they're willing to limp. And there's a lot of players, a lot of recreational players who play these marginal hands early and just limp rather than um, if they're going to play an open and raise with it. And... I guess depending on your strategy, whether that's the right thing to do or not, that's not what we're really discussing, but we're just going to move forward. So two callers. Then the turn brings a a car that's irrelevant. I believe it was a four. So it's not something that really, imp- excuse me, it was a car that was relevant. So the flop comes out, jack, six, deuce. Jack six deuce. The turn was a four because I thought, does anybody have three five here? Is anybody really calling with three five? And I, after I thought about it, I was like, no, that's not it. But the one hand that I did think that I did not want to see was pocket deuces. And my worst nightmare came to life. And so I let out with a, a real, like one fourth pot. At this point, I uh, came a little weary. I probably, I, I think maybe my best option is probably to check here. If I do believe someone d- does have a set of deuces, I thought once someone had a flush draw or maybe both had weak uh, jacks. So I really didn't think anybody was going to really fire at the pot. At this point, I was kind of, I probably should have shut down. I probably should have check called my way down just in case. Um, if for a flush hit on the river, then I'm kind of just like, I check fold depending on the bet. Um, but of course I lead out with this, a silly bet and then I believe 25,000 and then I get repopped to 75,000. Now, so for 50,000 more to hit a Jack or a six, a pot to this size, um, I was definitely willing to call the other player, um, did fold. So we went heads up 
and the river comes an ace, a non-spade ace. So the flush doesn't come, but now I'm thinking, oh, geez, now this guy might have ace jack. So he has like 80,000 back, but he decides to bet 50,000 into a 200K pot. And so I'm like, oh, my word, I can't fold here because it makes me think maybe he has a hand like king jack queen jack and he's thinking oh ace jack now i'm a little weary because why did he not put all his chips in he said he was value betting which he has had to do so it makes sense i uh, know he doesn't think that i have aces um so he's not really scared to lose he's not trying to w- do anything he was trying to basically put a bet out there that i was going to call and of course, I call for the 50,000 additional and I see the bad news. He has a set of deuces. Um, to be quite honest with you, I don't really think if there's ever a bad, maybe he thought I was weak and he could be raising with like King Jack. Um, like I said, he could have very well have Ace Jack there too. And it's just a terrible card for me. I'm just like calling, just like throw up at the end. Um, but there's really not too many hands I could beat. But I think for the price and the size of the pot, um, I just kind of had to call there just in case he didn't flip over King Jack, Queen Jack, or just like um, a a four and two spades or something like that. Like ace four of spades, and, and he got additional out. So I, I made the call and saw the bad news. I, I got stuck with like 15 big blinds, uh, 11 big blinds, something like that. I get sevens either the very next hand or a hand after the fact. And the guy calls me with queen 10 spades and hits a full house. So I lose, I bust it out the other time, the other two flights, I didn't do any well. So that was it for the tournament, but I did play a couple of sessions of one, three, no limit. And I made $880 in the cash room playing one, three at MGM. And then also played four sessions of two, five, no limit, which I made just under $1,300. So it was, I crushed it in cash games and just the tournament just didn't fall my way this week. Um, so I'll continue to play cash games. Now I don't have to travel all the way to Maryland Live, so which is great. So now I'll be really um, selective of how I choose to, uh, which when I choose to travel to Maryland Live. Typically they'll have better tournaments. Um, only tournament I'll really consider playing at MGM consistently as their Sunday tournament, but I think they might rake a significant amount in that Sunday tournament too. their 360 or whatever the buy is now 25 K used to be guaranteed. Um, so I'll have to do more, uh, look up their structure and see what that's like. Um, but I'm not really interested in playing it if it's that 20% rake again. And I know on Thursdays and on Sundays, or excuse me, every Monday, I'm sorry, every morning at Maryland live, they have that awesome tournament where they give away $400 for everyone who hits a high hand. It's an instant payout. The first 15 um, from 9 o'clock to like 12 a.m. Or excuse me, 12 p.m. in the afternoon. It's typically when it runs or typically how long it takes for everyone to clear the board and they'll hit the 15 high hands. So that's a great promotion that gets people in. Um, playing really passive on 1-3. So you can really take advantage of that and kind of print money just as long as you run good and hold. Um, so I'll probably play Thursdays at Maryland Live and um, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I'll just stick to playing two, five on the weekends at MGM and, and mix in some one, three, two. Um, so that'll be my, uh, that'll be my flow going forward. Um, take a couple of uh, trips and go to these, some of these conventions, uh, some exciting, uh, things rolling out with the podcast, maybe potentially a new podcast coming up. So stay tuned for that. All right, let's dive into Greg Harden's The Performance Coach. Now, this is an article that I found on CNBC. I think I found it scrolling through Instagram. 
but uh, Greg Harden is a performance coach, and he has trained Tom Brady and Michael Phelps, some of the greatest athletes in my lifetime. And here are some of the tools that Greg recommends for grounding yourself and becoming a top competitor. Um, Number one, be hungry and humble. So controlling your ego is key. Um, You you don't want to get to the point where you think that you know it all and you're incapable of learning um, something new or developing your game. There's always, you're never, I don't care what you do, you're never perfect. There's always something that you can develop and work on. Um, So be hungry, stay hungry, kind of have that, underdog mentality that's that's how i kind of wake up every day saying everyone the world's against the world's against me everyone's against me everyone's doubting me and i kind of wake up and trying to prove everybody wrong um but also keep that ego in check two remember remember that you are more than what you do give it your all win lose or draw don't consume yourself with the results um especially in poker if you played your hand correctly hold your head high um sometimes you uh can get as result oriented and kind of you look down and you so this is what i do the times where i have losing sessions if i got my money in good but I had kings again, and I ran into ran into aces. You know, it's not really a lot that I could do. Hopefully, I could try to save my money. But a lot of times, you're just going to get your money in, right? So those times, you kind of just like roll your eyes and be like, "It is what it is." Um, try to figure out ways that you don't get all your money in, um, drawing dead. Or and then there's some times where you play the hand perfectly. You got somebody. Um, and this happened last week, you got somebody dead to the rights and they find two outs in the deck on the river and they, and they win the pot and you have a losing session. So I always want to write those things down. So I don't want to just look back like a month later and see that, yeah, I had a string of like losing sessions. What was I doing? Was I playing bad? Always right in there. Kings and the aces or guy caught two outer or could have played this hand better, but not the worst thing in the world. Or gamble too much. How always any after every losing session, put a little note. And maybe after your winning sessions, those sessions that you crush, put in there. I ran hot today. You know, last this past week, I complete. I'll just give you a short story. I completely demolished this guy. Um, so I asked one of the dealers who's experienced dealer. I, I wanted to transfer to a table because the table I was at was bad. Uh, one three game. And I was really wanting to gamble that day. I worked up my stack and won three. Um, and I wanted to really find a table and really, you know, punish them because there was a lot of loose action. So I asked one of the dealers. I kind of went to the table and kind of pointed down like, is this is a good table. And she said, yeah. So I went over to the table. And within an hour, this I had like $500 in front of me. And then I within an hour, I had 1700 The guy to the immediate right, um, I had aces against his kings. And then he had aces again. And I flopped with a set of sevens. And so I, I literally, I, I, I wiped him out. Uh, it, sometimes you run hot like that. Um, sometimes, you know, you're the person that's eating crow. Um, but it's like that sometimes. And I chart everything. And I always like to leave notes, like I said, especially when those bad sessions. So I can look back and not just be discouraged. Like, why were you playing so bad? Or what was possibly going on here? Leave those detailed notes. Next, train yourself for fast recovery. Pick yourself up, wipe yourself down, evaluate the situation, and move forward. Don't dwell in those past, you know, losses. Um, you want to just kind of, to be honest with you, I'm great at doing this. I, if you're, 
in re- like past relationships or winning losing sessions or just like past hands i the kind of like i interpret them i get what i need and i i put them in the folder in my head but it's not a folder that i'm actively just tapping into and and i'm getting these maybe lack for that better word endorphins these positive endorphins or or these negative endorphins that make me feel good or make me feel bad i kind of just like store this stuff away and just focus on what i need to focus on the task at hand now um without getting too much of my personal uh life i'm going i personally this past 60 days has been very um taxing on me mentally and physically but i try to I try to operate with, without operating with, emotionally. I'm trying to make the, the strategic, the smartest decision possible always and not try to make emotional decisions. Um, sometimes I do I'm, I'm better than others, depending on the state of mind that I'm in. Um, but just you want to kind of stay the course and stay grounded. Um, don't try to, even when things are, are feels like the world's against you, um, the world's, it seems like that, but you kind of look like it's a, it's a big world. I'm not the only one that's going through things and kind of just like think of yourself in a really small uh, aspect or, or just one little ant or one little speck of grain on, on this, on this planet. Like you're not that big. Your life is very minuscule in the grand scheme of things. So just kind of like reevaluate breathe in, breathe out, and just move forward, push forward. Uh, next, view stress as a predictable and view stress as predictable and manageable. Stress, stress is predictable, therefore manageable. Breathing is very important to settle yourself. In times of high pressure, turn your fear into excitement. Now, this is something I definitely want to dive into because I've I think a lot of it is is just confidence recently, but I do remember when I was playing cards earlier this year, I didn't have a lot of confidence and I would sit down at the table and I got the jitters again, like when I first started playing and a lot of it could be that I, um, you know, I'm just not used to being at the table playing for the sums of money or betting the sums of money that I, I was, um, you know, playing for at the time, especially when I'm playing two, five, um, I'm typically used to playing one, three, I'm sitting with 300 or excuse me, a hundred big blinds, which is $300. Now, sometimes I run it up, but I'm a lot more comfortable sitting in one, three, running it up with a thousand dollars in front of me, even though I, I can sit in two, five, sit with $500, run it up to thousand dollars. For some reason, it just feels different at that table because a thousand dollars at one, three, I feel like I can really run the table, but a two, five, a thousand dollars. Now it's, Almost to the point now, I'm like, all right, now I have profit. I need to maintain this because now I'm just really at the average stack what everyone else is sitting with. Typically, everyone sits with um, $500 to $1,000, not just my minimum or my max really buy in the 100 bigs of 500 bucks. So I'm just trying to get more comfortable in that dynamics. It doesn't really affect my play. Um, I still try to make the best decisions possible. But like I said, I'm more comfortable playing 1-3 where I have those big stacks and I can really, I'm really more comfortable pushing people around from two, five. I don't, I still don't have the opportunity to really push people around. You probably don't have the opportunity to do that until you have about 5,000 or more at the table. Um, but just something to keep my, be mindful of breathing is very important to kind of, um, get that heart rate down. And in the article, I'll leave uh, the link in the episode description as well. Cause you definitely want to read it and get the, the, down dirty details of it 
but that stress will turn that stress into excitement. Like, oh man, I'm stressed. So I haven't played for this much money before, but kind of look at it like, oh man, bro, I've never been in this situation before. If I play my cards right, or if my, if I run like hot, I could win a hundred thousand dollars today. Like, this is awesome. And kind of think of it that way and excited, but you also want to don't, take that excitement and now you're doing things like irrational and you're taking that excitement too far you amp yourself up now so just try to get to that level balance playing field so you can execute accordingly practice positive self-talk maintain a positive mindset we all have that inner voice inside when you feel those negative comments or thoughts coming attack them with positivity and remain optimistic there's always that i kind of uh i don't i haven't seen this in a while but i was growing up and i don't remember the name of it but there's always that the 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 angel on your left shoulder and the devil on the right shoulder or vice versa vice versa whatever shoulder um i kind of have that sometimes i i don't know about you but i'm i feel like i'm always that inner child or that inner person's always talking in my mind i'm always like talking to myself internally and then like I, I really struggled to shut it off at night those were my 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 best ideas come to to fruition or I really think I'm most creative is really right before I go to go to sleep and lay down so it's really hard for me to kind of like turn it off and get a good night's sleep a good REM sleep because my mind is always racing right when I'm kind of relaxed and trying to wind down for the night those were my all my ideas for whatever reason, want to flood my, uh, my brain. So I always, um, I always want to fight that, 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 those negative thoughts, especially when you're playing cards. Um, there's spots where it's like, Oh, this is a wet board. Um, do you really want to bet this here? Do you really want to see bet? Um, is this the right play? Yes, this is the right play, but do you have the balls to do this? Like, bro, this is a lot of money. This is a bluff. You're playing a one, three game. Is this really going to get through? And in those cases, probably you shouldn't bluff one, three, you probably shouldn't bluff two, five. They're willing to fold or you're deep in a tournament. Yeah. You can push that. You can, you can, you know, flip the switch and, and take that, that um that bluff where you think uh, if you it might be able to get it through um just some things for you to consider and i know i'm rambling and trying to think off the top of my head um but these are just all things that i kind of think of when i'm at the table or just in life in general um so i believe this article you can apply it for competition and just life in in general as far as performance so def- definitely take a look at it moving along I definitely wanted to discuss Bitcoin due to the fact that Bitcoin has dropped in its price um, a significant amount. So I did want to um, lay that out. Um, In doing so, I have purchased uh, a little bit more, $200 worth of Bitcoin, $200 worth of Ethereum. Nothing substantial, um, but when it dips like this, I definitely like to buy and I will explain why. And we've discussed this in prior uh, podcast episodes as well. Um, but Bitcoin has sat flat around 29,000 to 30,000 since last June. Or excuse me, actually, I think it's since this June. Yeah, since this June. My apologies. It's been sitting around 29,000, 30,000. Um, and today is currently priced at uh, 25,000. 
um, for give you a accurate update. It is 5.04 p.m. And Bitcoin is currently 26,110. Ethereum is sitting at 16,072. Uh, but with that being said, um, that's a pretty big drop from 30,000 bucks for Bitcoin and 18,000, 19,000. It was sitting average um, for Ethereum. Um, so that's a pretty significant drop. And I did want to remind you guys of Bitcoin having and in order to kind of explain Bitcoin having, I reached out to ChatGPT again. You guys know I enjoy using this uh, tool. And I prompted uh, ChatGPT, I put it in the prompt, take the role as an expert in cryptocurrency, specifically Bitcoin and the having process. Explain what Bitcoin is and how, What? excuse me, explain what Bitcoin is, how and why Bitcoin halves every four years. Explain to me like I have no prior knowledge in cryptocurrency and I'm a high school student. So it's it's not too thorough, but I just want to put this in your mind and maybe something that you guys consider and research yourself. So imagine you have a digital currency called Bitcoin. It's like regular money, but it only exists online. People use it to buy things. Just like you might use your regular money to buy snacks or toys. But what makes Bitcoin special is that it's not controlled by any single government or company. Now you can, is it completely decentralized where we're getting, it sounds like we're getting a little bit farther away into that, but you guys can tap deeper into that. Instead, it's based on technology called blockchain, which is a digital ledger that keeps track of all transactions. And the point of that is to make things all transparent. Now, let's talk about having process. Every four years, something interesting happens with Bitcoin. The people who created Bitcoin put a rule in place that says the number of new Bitcoins that can be created gets cut in half. This is called having. Think of it like this. Imagine you have a chocolate bar and you decide to share it with your friends. The first time you share it, you break it into 10 pieces. So one whole chocolate bar, you break it into 10 pieces and you give it to each friend, um, one piece. So one for 10 friends, you give one piece. The next time you share it, you break it into f- only five pieces and you give it to each friend. Uh, each, you give one friend uh, a piece. Then the next time you break it into two pieces and share those. This is kind of what happens um, with Bitcoin. So why does this having process happen? Well, there's a limited supply of Bitcoin in the world. Only 21 billion Bitcoins will ever exist. 21 million Bitcoins will ever exist. So by cutting in half, how many new Bitcoins are created every four years? So, excuse me. So by cutting in half, how many new Bitcoins are created every four years? It helps make sure that the supply of Bitcoin doesn't grow too quickly. This is different from regular money where governments can print money wherever they want which can sometimes lead to problems like inflation or prices going up and which is we're dealing with right now. The having process is important for a few reasons. First, it keeps you, if it helps to keep Bitcoin valuable because as the supply becomes scarcer, people might want to buy and hold on to it. Think it could be more valuable over time. And so now this is something for you guys to consider. Second, it helps control the rate at which new Bitcoins are introduced into the system, which can help maintain the stability of the currency. And this might be the reason why we've seen those long periods where Bitcoin really doesn't do anything and it just kind of sits around 29, 30,000 and we get those huge spikes. So to sum it up, Bitcoin is a digital currency that operates on a special technology called 
blockchain and it's unique because it's controlled by one authority. Every four years, the number of new Bitcoins created gets cut in half through a process called halving, which keeps Bitcoin valuable, excuse me, keeps Bitcoin valuable and the supply under control. Now, I just want you guys to do a little bit of research. Look at all the previous dates that, and look at the chart, all the previous date that Bitcoin has halved. So it's halved in November 2012, July 2016, and May 2020. Now, I want you to do your own research and see what happened to Bitcoin when the halving process occurred at these dates. And now we leave you with that. Now, we always go over the mantra um, every episode, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I love doing it on Monday because Monday kind of starts your, starts your week. Everyone has a case of the Mondays and it kind of just kind of, you know, gets you. Hopefully you're probably listening to this Monday night after you've already went to the office or, or started your week and you're kind of getting an emotion and this is a, a, a light your fire moment and you're ready to, to run through walls um, Tuesday through Friday. And on Friday, we'll go through the mantra again, and hopefully it gets you fired up for your weekend. I know I'm fired up for this weekend because I am going to Invest Fest in Atlanta. I am so excited, fry, flying in Friday night, and I'll be coming back Monday. So, so, so excited. Hopefully I can win, like, a really significant amount. I don't think that they have VIP tickets available anymore, but I would love to have VIP. Probably something I'll do next year. But let's dive into the mantra. I am an unstoppable force embarking on a thrilling journey of growth and unity. My ambition burns within me, pushing me to break through limitations and create opportunities that open doors to progress. I am guided by knowledge, fearlessly taking strategic risks and facing life's challenges with wisdom and determination. I value my body, nurturing it with strength and embracing my heritage. Together, we overcome obstacles, empowering each other to achieve greatness. I am the architect of my own destiny, weaving success and resilience. Within me lies the greatness to carve a future where possibilities know no bounds. Together, let's rise and take it to another level. Now, we did, we did discuss Bitcoin a little bit, so let's go over a disclaimer. The information provided in the show about personal finance and investing is for educational and entertainment purposes only and should not be considered financial advice. Viewers are encouraged to consult with a qualified financial advisor, which is not me, before making any investment decisions. The content presented may be accurate, complete, or timely and we do not assume responsibility for any errors or omissions. Investing involves risks, and past performance is not indicative of future results. Any endorsements or advertisements featured do not constitute recommendations. By participating in the show, you acknowledge and accept these disclaimers. So with that being said, please follow up on your homework, guys. Make sure you check up on Bitcoin halving and the dates and what happened after Bitcoin half. We, we already know that past, um, past history um, in stock prices does not, is not conducive to what's going to happen to the future. So 
be mindful of that. But we also like to look back and kind of see, well, what happened in the future, excuse me, what happened in the past so we can better understand what possibly may come in the future. We know what happened in the past isn't guaranteed to happen in the future, but at least we can look back and in our history and be prepared and know how to handle certain situations. That's all I have for you today. Thank you for tuning in. Remember life is one big session. Play the cards you are dealt to the best of your ability. And I promise you'll come out ahead.